0: I'm Rachel Olstead, the Intuitive Business Coach, and this is the Dream Builder Society Podcast. My mission is to empower women to create an abundant life of freedom, wealth, and joy. I specialize in helping visionary, driven, and passionate women just like you grow and scale their online businesses through powerful strategy, mindset, and energy healing work. Tune in every week to hear my experiences and tips for building a wildly successful, six-figure business while working part-time. I truly believe business gets to be fun and simple. You get to have it all, and I'm here to show you how. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Builder Society podcast. Today is actually a really, really special episode because we have on a guest with us, Vince Warnock, and he actually happens to be our very first male guest on the Dream Builder Society podcast. So this (laughs) is exciting up to this point. You guys have heard a lot of me and a lot of other um a lot of other of my clients and other women guests, but I am so excited to have Vince on today and to share on and dig into the topic that I think is very, very commonly a frustration in just entrepreneurship and life in general, and that is the topic of imposter syndrome. But before we dig in, welcome, Vince.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Rachel. I feel very honored to be the first male on the show, by the way. I had no idea. Now I'm, I'm beaming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you should be. And I, I love how we connected through through a mutual friend as well. And I'm excited to dig into this topic because I know that you have so much value to share. So um, before we dig in fully, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and just really just what you do and, and who you serve?
1: I love That's a lot, but I, share what yeah. you want
0: for now. <laughs> we'll take and I'm sure parts of your story will come
1: up. Love it, love it. I was gonna say, I I love the assumption there that I know what I'm doing. No, um so my my background is I have kind of been in and out of uh both corporate and entrepreneurship, uh corporate life and entrepreneurship for most of my career. Um so I've always kind of been in corporate roles and then felt that pull away to create something, you know, birth something new and and then go off and sell that, or in early cases, <laughs> fail miserably and have to shut down the company. That happened a few times. But up until recently, so I sold off my probably my largest company to date, which was Common Ledger. Um we built an eight-figure company and and sold that off to a competitor and then moved into a role as chief marketing officer at Signal Insurance. And that was a crazy ride. It was a lot of fun. Amazing team there. Like My team were amazing. The leadership team that I was on there with were amazing and things as well. CEO is incredible. It was just a really cool journey, but it got to the point where I was feeling really unfulfilled. And it's a strange thing when you're in a role where you're paid a lot of money. And they, by the way, they pay an obscene amount of money. It was kind of cool. Um, they pay a lot of money to be there. And you are, and you're, the work you're doing is really kind of challenging. It's really different. Like we were merging with another company, so we were basically purchased another company, and my job was to kind of remove that brand from market and rebrand us as a, a company. So, from a marketing perspective, it was all the things that should tick the boxes to make you feel fulfilled. But I wasn't, and this became a tension point for me. Where the more I thought about, it, the more I realized I wasn't enjoying it, but for reasons I didn't really understand. And that was when it kind of led me on this little journey to go, okay, what's happening here? And discovered that who I am as a person, I need to be connected to where I'm making impact. In other words, I need to be where I'm impacting other people. And when you're at that C-suite level, when you're a chief marketing officer, you are very much removed from the front line. You're very much removed from where you're impacting others. In fact, even your own teams, you basically treat them or you're conditioned to treat them as though they're numbers or dollar signs. And that did not align with me at all. And I realized that I wasn't operating as myself. I was operating as this chief marketing officer rather than as Vince Warnock. Um, so, that was the tension that was happening in me. Uh, along that journey, I'd also published my first book, um, which was called Chasing the Insights. It's a, a book on experimentation and marketing. Very interesting. <laughs> um, so, a very dry topic, but I made it a bit of fun. But in publishing that, I also went on my own journey there around imposter syndrome. And I've kind of dealt with that through my whole life um, a number of different times. But publishing the book was where it really did come to the forefront quite strongly. And I remember, you know, it should have been an amazing moment publishing your book. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm finally going to be a published author. This is going to be incredible. Uh, someone said, don't do a book launch. No one goes to book launches anymore. And I go, ha, 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 you amateur. I'm a marketer. Hold my beer. I'm going to do this. So organized a book launch, got a hundred or so people there. And it was an amazing event. Uh, we had people fly in, some of my peers, some of my friends all flew in from Australia, throughout New Zealand, um, and Kind of, this is pre-COVID, by the way, um, all came together and and celebrated the launch of this book. And I got to talk about my journey and to thank the people that had been there supporting me through the whole process and things as well. So all of that ticks a number of boxes. I was pretty happy. Uh, I also realized that at a book launch, people are going to want signed copies of a book. So I'm like, okay, I have to rationalize that in my head. Essentially, they want your autograph. Vince, what are you doing? (laughs) You're not a celebrity. You're barely average karaoke singer. How come people would want you to sign a book? But I could rationalize it because in my head, I thought, if I go to a book launch, that's exactly what I would expect. I would want that because, I mean, think about it. It's a way of kind of commemorating the event. It's a way of supporting the author. But also, it's damn cool to be able to say, I was at the book launch and look, I've got a signed copy. (laughs) Yeah, so I bought myself a new pen. A really fancy pen I thought i 'm in signing mode. this is going to be awesome i can I can deal with this and then the thing i didn't count on was the fact that everybody I signed the book for and gave it to them. they all said something along the lines of i can 't wait to read it and every time they said that, my stomach would not, and that 's when I started to feel very vulnerable, very exposed, and very at risk because i 'm going they're going to be able to read this book they 're going to be able to judge me on it and uh, and the outcome of that because I always got a worst case scenario in my brain is not going to be a good thing so Left that event that night, went home, should have been on a high because I'm a high extrovert and being, being the center of attention in a large group of people is my happy place. <laughs> so it was, should have been awesome, but I went back home, I went to bed, and all I kept hearing is these internal conversations in my brain, just going, who do you think you are, Vince? Like, seriously, what makes you think you're anything special that you can write a book? What makes you think anybody wants to hear anything from you? Um, they're all going to read it, Vince, and find out you're a complete and utter fraud. What are you doing with your life? And that uh normally, normally imposter syndrome kind of whispers in my ear is the way I kind of uh, describe it to people. It normally whispers in my ear, but at that moment it screamed at me and it yelled at me. And the next morning I decided with no sleep under me, I was like, right, that's it. I made a decision, which I regret, which was I'm not going to talk about this book anymore. I'm going to just go quiet on it. I'm going to go dark. And in doing that, what that meant for me was turning down – Forbes, CIO magazine, and Diginomica, who all wanted to run big spreads on me and on the book. Uh, and I had to say to all of them, Oh, look, I'm really sorry. I'm chief marketing officer. I'm super busy. And you know, I'm just, you know, I've got too many things on, which was true. I was really busy, but also was absolute bollocks. <laughs> Excuse the language, it was just bollocks. I could have made time for those interviews, but I was really afraid. Um, so I stepped away from that and I thought, right, okay. Um two weeks later the sales the book sales were actually going pretty well which is awesome because there was quite a bit of buzz out there already about the book um number of people i had quite a big reputation in the industry um so people were waiting for this book anyway so that was good but one of my mentors called me up out of the blue and just said hey vince um just checking in on you now that in itself by the way is really strange because he's the type of person you don't get him calling you you have to book time with him he's super busy he's like eight times best-selling author it's ridiculous um and, and I'm talking New York Times bestseller, not not Amazon bestseller. So, you know, it was someone I aspired to be yeah, like.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah, and he, he rang me up and he said, look, I'm just checking in. How's the book sales going? I told him and he's like, oh, that's pretty good. And I said, yeah. And he said, um, I haven't noticed any social media posts about it. I haven't noticed any PR. I haven't noticed anything out there. What's going on? And uh, I did my usual. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm just really busy. I'm relying on word of mouth. I'm blah, 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 blah. And he goes, yeah, I'm calling you on that, man. I'm calling you on the BS. And he said, I'm going to tell you what I go through every time I publish a book. And this is, like I said, eight times best-selling author. And through every book he's written, when he gets to publishing time, he goes through the exact same process I did. So the internal voices saying, who do you think you are? The internal voices saying you're not worthy of doing this. Who you like, what makes you think you have anything special to say this time? Um, and in hearing that, it did two things to me. Number one, it made me feel instantly like, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. That in itself was really important um to make you realize you're not a failure and you're not a loser because there's somebody you look up to that goes through the exact same thing. But the other thing it made me realize is how much I need to be open about this and talk about it. And that kind of led me on my journey to where I am now, Rachel, which is where I made the the easiest hard decision of my life, which was to leave Cigna and to focus on writing my next book, which I'm writing at the moment called Anti-Perfect. And And that was going to be the goal. It was like January 2020, pre-COVID, by the way, um, perfect time to get out of a company like that. Um, it was like, right, I am I am stepping away from this. I am going to write my next book and that is it. Um, A few things happened at that point. Number one, the CEO asked me if I need psychological help. (laughs) She's like, do you know what we pay you? And I'm like, yes, I know. (laughs) Um, And she tried to make it work, but it was like, no, I need to do this. So there was that. And then the other thing that happened was I got bored within like five minutes, I think. <laughs> so, so I woke up the next day going, ah, I don't have all this pressure of work. Now I'm going to get into writing. And in my mind, it was going to be writing every single day. It was going to be absolutely wonderful. Uh, no, nah, I was, I was walking around going, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do. So that <laughs> writing a book very quickly morphed into writing two books, now three books at the same time. They're all going to be published this year. Um, launching my podcast and, accidentally becoming a marketing coach and by that i mean the moment that people found out i had time on my hands first of all they were like okay vince has got time help and then the other thing that happened was covid hit and all the people i was interviewing for one of my books i pretty much got the same response from all of them they were in the u.s canada australia and new zealand and they're all just like vince we would love to keep helping you but we're kind of freaking out at the moment we've got no revenue coming in we've got all the same overheads, we're literally making decisions on whether or not we're going to exist in two months time. And hearing that from these amazing people, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of entrepreneurs in general, I think entrepreneurs are an incredible bunch of people. Um they're, they're a small percentage of the world that actually creates things and births them into the world. I mean, think about that for a moment, it's freaking yeah. awesome. But to hear that from these amazing people was really hard. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't stand alongside these people and just go, okay, well, when you're ready, come and get in touch with me. I had to help. So I dug my heels in and went, right, that's it. I need to give you a hand. At least jump on a call. Let's see what we can do here. Let's change your thinking around this. Let's look at other opportunities. And in doing so, I think every single company, I didn't have a single casualty, which was awesome. Like every single company got back to profitability amazing. during lockdown. Uh, we had three of them double their revenue, which was amazing. Uh, and one tripled their revenue, which is very rare, but they had no idea what they were actually sitting on. They had no idea the opportunity. They thought they were in this tiny little niche in the middle of Melbourne and what they realized that all of Australia was begging for what they had. So that was a, a an incredible opportunity. And, Feeling that sense of fulfillment of standing alongside these people and empowering them and seeing them break through and seeing them get, I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, seriously, I would have left my job years and years ago if I had known it It was that incredible helping other people like this. So, So that's kind of led me to where I am now. I've got my group program launched and I'm just absolutely loving helping entrepreneurs. Oh
0: my goodness. I feel like there is so so much of your story that we could dig into I would love (laughs) we could probably do like seven podcast episodes together but I love just how open you are just about sharing your story and and I like actually just want to point out one thing right away for my audience to like take note of that like you obviously come from a very different demographic, very different experiences, mm-hmm. right? In life, in business than most of my audience, right? Who are mostly other, you know, women who yeah, are in yeah. the early stages of business. Most of them as moms of young kids, maybe were former teachers or in corporate or stay at home moms. And just to hear that, like, And I know that you'll appreciate this as, like, the the human connection that, like, we're all so much more similar than we are different, even in our struggles. And not that I want to, like, glorify the struggles that we all have, but just, like, openly talking about how... Like working for these big companies and and being in the shoes that you were in and, you know, publishing books, which are vastly different than a lot of the things that even I'm doing in my business at this stage, we can still have these doubts and these fears and these thoughts creeping in because we're humans and we have a human <laughs> experience and human brains and that imposter syndrome. And so I just thank you for just being open and sharing all of that with us and just like being honest about Yeah, that imposter syndrome and just those those thoughts and fears and doubts are real at whatever stage you're in and and regardless of your experiences. Right. Like no one's immune to this. And so I love that we're like bringing this out into the open and and sharing about it in kind of a different light, which I, I really appreciate you sharing with us, and so first of all, congratulations on <laughs> publishing your first book. I actually could go back and then writing, obviously, all of all of your current ones, which I love. The title, first of all, anti-perfect. I talk about yeah. myself, and I think a lot of a lot of my my audience can resonate with the idea of like being a, what I call a recovering perfectionist as well. <laughs> um, it's like yeah, we're always kind of kind of working yeah. and growing in that, but. What, um, what specifically like when you said imposter syndrome has been kind of a, um, just kind of a, almost a, this like little buzz in your head, like for most of your life. And I, I like to yeah. think about it like that again, like this whisper, like you said, um, it really is, it really is that what, um, when do you feel like this first, and I don't want to like take you back to like your childhood and, and go <laughs> yeah. through your whole entire life story. But like, when do you feel like it, you really started to like, almost like succumb to these thoughts or these like whispers? Like, do you feel like yeah. there was like a defining moment when you're like, oh, maybe this is true, right? Like, maybe I'm not cut out to do these things because you've had so much success, but also right there's that little that little voice so when did you first like realize that this was kind of coming up for you i think
1: i think for me rachel it's something that was always there even if i didn't know it and so i know we joked we won't go back to my childhood but actually my childhood um, i grew up in um, i grew up in poverty and my parents had nothing Um, i grew up in a very abusive household uh, I grew up in a, an environment that you wouldn't want any child to grow up in and with a, a huge family, I have five sisters and a brother um, and growing up in that kind of environment, you, you are surrounded by people like yourself. I grew up in an impoverished area where we were surrounded by people who were never going to theoretically amount to anything, right? Based on society, like you would look around and go, okay, anything you see of success was always in the movies or on TV. And that was always some far off fantasy. You didn't feel like you, you could accomplish that. You felt like you just had to get a job try to strive and strive and strive to make ends meet, and then just survive until you finally die. That was essentially life. And chances are, based on where we grew up, that was going to end very early anyway. Um, from uh, This is a very dark moment, but from uh, most of my close childhood friends, uh, there were about 12 of us that kind of interacted with each other all the time. I think there's about three of us left alive, and only two of those died from any kind of natural causes, and that the rest took their own life. That was the environment that we grew up in. So, I vividly remember at age 11, and I talk about this a lot because this is a really pivotal moment for me. It was the moment where I launched my first business, weirdly enough, um, pirating video games back when I didn't. I had no moral compass. Please don't judge me. Um, I didn't know that this was a n- naughty thing to do. I did it for survival, I did it because I needed to fend for myself at age 11. So, uh, and also I had. I had uh, basically these three computers that were given to me that didn't work. I fixed them. These are personal computers back in the day when they were very early. So Sinclair ZX, ZX81s, uh, for anyone who's really old like me. Um, <laughs> and I I sold those to fr- um, other people's families and friends and things like that and raised enough money to buy a Commodore 64, which I still have as the coolest computer ever. Um, I'm, I'm not using it right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I bought that and realized that you could copy all the games. So that was the kind of launch of, my first ever business, and I made a lot of money doing that um, till I realized it was wrong, immoral, unethical, and illegal, and then I stopped <laughs> all of that. <laughs> but the other thing that happened when I was 11 is I, I went from primary school um, to what we call intermediate. So it is a transitional school in the schooling system here in New Zealand. From 5 to 10, you're at primary. 10, 11 to 12, you're at uh, this thing called intermediate, and then you move off to what you call high school, we call college. Um, so I went to this intermediate, and I discovered something I hadn't found before outside of home. And that was a bully. Um, Because for me, school was a happy place where I escaped uh, abuse and I escaped all the horribleness and the nastiness. And I would get to school and find that I love learning and I love being around knowledge. Um, But suddenly I had this bully and he told me to me for two years and made my life hell because I had no safe space. I had no space at home, no space at school. Um, So anyway, while all that happened though, there was a moment where I had the most incredible teacher in my class. And I had this moment where I was being the smart ass, um, as I tended to be when I was younger. I was a very bright <laughs> kid in a low decile area, and a low socioeconomic area. Um, So I just was very, you know, cheeky. And I remember him saying something to us about, um, He um actually, he did something, he challenged us about math. He said, oh, you need to learn math. And I'm like, when are we going to use math in the real world? Duh. And he goes, well, you're going to when you hit 15, because you're going to be sitting your, what we call school C exams. Um, and I went, Oh, and so then he forced us to actually learn. We had to sit a school C exam while we we're age 11, 11. So four years earlier and it backfired on him because I actually passed and did really well. And so did one of the other kids in the class. So he pulled us aside and taught us independently. So I thought that was a sign of a really good teacher who recognized you've got skills and I'm going to mm-hmm. develop those. But the other thing that happened was, um, he talked about the fact we were doing these projects and we had to present to the class on the projects. So he wanted us to learn how to present. And I'm like, Well, when are we ever going to get the opportunity to present in life other than here at school? And he said, well, how about now, Vince? And he pulled me up in front of the class and he goes, right, Vince is going to talk for five minutes in class. What is the topic that we're going to give him? And when you ask a bunch of 11-year-olds a topic, trust me, they, they're not that creative. <laughs> um, they just came up with the egg. So I had to speak about an egg for five minutes. And I was just like, what? I had 20 seconds to prepare. And then he goes, go. And I just quickly launched into the only thing I could think of, which is which came first, the chicken or the egg? And then I went off on all these different tangents and I was talking about eggs and all chickens and I can't even remember, honestly, I just, my brain went to this other state where I was just like, just spewing the stuff out there and it all seemed to make sense and it was all coherent and it got to the end, and he goes, you got 20 seconds left and I brought it all the way back to, and obviously the chicken came first and the class roared, they erupted and I was like, what just happened? It was like a really surreal moment. But more than that, I remember turning to the teacher and he goes, oh, my goodness, Vince, that was amazing. You've got a real talent, something I'd never heard before. And he said, you could do something really significant with this. And I went, what is this weird feeling on the inside? It's hope. It's a future. It's actually something beyond what I'm living right now. So imposter syndrome had kept me down. And basically said, you don't deserve anything. You're not worthy of anything. Don't put your head above other people because you're not going to achieve anything. So it kept me back until I heard that moment from this teacher. And that had a really profound effect on me. And that started the rest of my kind of journey from there. But I still remember I was a, I don't know what to call myself, early businessman. I don't know. But I knew I wanted more in my life. I knew I didn't want to just have a job. I wanted to make money. That's why I launched my first business. That's why I kind of started to realize I need to take control of this. And I remember one of my first jobs, I was still very poor, but I won tickets to this business breakfast. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, when you're poor and you have no food and you're going to somewhere <laughs> where there is a plentiful supply of food and drink, you're like, hello, this is heaven. So I t- I rock on up to this event. But I knew also that I wasn't going to fit in. I knew this is a business breakfast for for basically senior business people and things. So I didn't even own a suit. I went down to a Goodwill shop, you know, like a thrift shop, and Uh went in there and thought, "What can I afford?" There's a ten dollar suit there, so I bought this ten dollar suit. It did not fit me. the uh, The sleeves went right down to my lower knuckles. It was this shiny, worn gray, like almost silvery suit. It was disgusting. It was double breasted, (laughs) which doesn't suit me. Ill fitting. I had long hair tied back in a ponytail. I could grow hair back then, so it was amazing. And I just, I did not look the part. And I rock on up to this event and I sit at this table and I'm like, what the hell are you doing here, I look around and everybody, in my mind, this is just my translation of what I saw. In my mind, I picture everyone being in Armani suits. They've all got their life sorted. They're all living these dream lives and they just seem to know everything. And I'm there going, what an imposter. And I definitely did not fit in. And I felt like the odd one out at my table. And this speaker got up. It was from Adobe. Um, He was the head of Oceania for Adobe. And he got up and he talked about his journey and his life and all this. It was super inspirational. I was like, oh, my goodness. I want to do what this guy's doing. I want to inspire people. I want to help you. This is incredible. I want his life. This is amazing. Uh, so I took pages and pages of notes. And I scoffed all the food and I drank all the coffee. It was wonderful. Uh, but I still felt like I didn't belong. Anyway, he came. At the end of his presentation, he went around each of the tables and he said, uh, the same thing to each table. He said, have you got any questions? And I remember I can still picture the internal monologue in my head. My brain just went, okay, Vince, listen up, right? pay attention now. you got one shot here to ask something intelligent, right? You don't feel like you fit in at this table, so you need to ask an intelligent question. Like, right, I've got this. But while I'm processing all this information in my head, I realize he's standing at the table next to us. And he goes, you've got any questions? And before I could even engage my brain, my mouth just went, at what point did you know you'd made it? And the, I felt like, and this is my interpretation, I felt like the entire table laughed at me. I felt like everyone looked down their nose at me. I just felt like, what a dumb question. My brain just went, dude, seriously, you had one job. I'm out of here. <laughs> like it was checking <laughs> out on me. Um, and I just, I legitimately wanted to run out of the room or duck under the table in fetal position. I didn't know what, but I just felt so fraudulent. I felt like this is, the, you, you're not worthy of being heavens. Um, but then the speaker turned around and said something really surprising. He just went, oh, that's a really good question. And at that moment, everyone at the table kind of leaned in a little bit like, really? (laughs) Like, Tell us more. Uh, And he goes, I'm going to let you in on this uh, secret, Vince. I'm going to let you in on my daily routine. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. In my mind, by the way, I'm going... I've heard that morning routines are really important. Like every successful person has them. (laughs) Oh my goodness, he's going to let me in on his. This is going to be good. I grab my pen. I'm like, I'm writing down and everything I can, right? It was before we could record things on our phones and that. So I'm like, I'm writing this all down. And he said to me like, every morning I get up deliberately early. And I was like, deliberately, okay, got this right. Deliberately early, interesting point. All uh, right, how early? Should I ask him? No, no, it's all good. Keep going. Uh, and he goes, I get up and I go to the bathroom. I'm like, bathroom? Okay, not the kitchen. Interesting. No coffee, <laughs> no, in the bathroom. Writing that down. He goes, I fill up the sink with cold water. I'm like, cold water? Ah, right now, should I ask him the temperature of it? No, 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 just cold water's fine. And then he goes, I fill up the sink with cold water. I splash that water on my face. I look in the mirror and I go, ha, today's the day they find out you're a fraud. And I went what? And he goes, I've never felt like I've made it. Vince. I'm always petrified that I'm going to turn up to work and everyone's going to go, oh, you've got no idea what you're doing. You're making this up as you go along. He says, I have to remind myself of what I've accomplished, remind myself that I've got this, remind myself of what I've achieved. And and that was a moment where I it honestly, it felt like time stood still, felt like he was talking directly to me, especially with how I was feeling at that moment in that place. And then he goes, most of us, and he did this thing, he indicated around the table, he goes, most of us feel exactly the same way. And when I looked around the table, I realized every single person at that table was nodding, which meant he was speaking directly to all of them as well. And that shifted something in me. It made me realize that A, how I'm feeling is not alone. like Everybody here feels that way as well. B, it made me realize I've got as much right to be at this table as everybody else there as well. And then see it made me empathize towards all these people that I felt like an outsider and an outcast from. So it kind of shifted. I, w- I would love to say it then solved all my imposter syndrome problems. Um, I think it wasn't <laughs> even called imposter syndrome back then. I don't think we'd actually name the thing yet. But I, it, I would love to say it solved all of that. Of course, it did. And I still had read its head so many times in, until the, con- obviously, conclusion I talked about, which was when I published my book, you know. So it's something that I call a thorn in my side. It's something that I think is going to be there with me for my whole life. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that motivates me to help other people. But also, uh, I've come to the conclusion, uh, Rachel, that imposter syndrome is not actually bad. And I know this is going to the people are going to f- kind of freak out about this when they hear it, but bear mm-hmm. with me. Imposter syndrome is not actually bad at all, right? It is just a set of signals from your brain. What is bad is what we choose to do with that imposter syndrome. And the good example for me was publishing that book. Imposter syndrome hit me and it didn't feel good. Like, don't get me wrong. It didn't feel good, but in itself, it's not bad. It's just signals from my brain. But what I chose to do with that, which is to go dark, to turn down those media interviews and things, that was self-sabotage. That is very different from imposter syndrome. That is your, your way of dealing with what you're feeling at the time. So it made me realize I need to own this. I need to, instead of running from imposter syndrome, constantly trying to battle it, constantly trying to fight it, I need to actually understand what it is. And what it is, is simply your brain going, hey, Vince, or hey, Rachel, or hey, whoever's listening to this, you are way outside your comfort zone right now. You are operating in an area where you're making things up as you go along, and you are outside of the safe, comfortable space that I've created for you. You are vulnerable, and people could judge you. They could call you on the fact that you don't know what you're doing. So that is all it is, is your brain just going, I want to protect you. I want to guard you. I want to keep you safe. So I'm going to use fear to pull you back here into a safe zone. Now, the problem with that is, and, and if you're an entrepreneur, you should know this, is growth doesn't happen in the safe space. It doesn't happen in your comfort zone. Breakthrough doesn't happen in the comfort zone. Um, success, um, you know, prosperity, any of these things don't happen in your comfort zone. They happen when you are outside of your comfort zone. Which means when we can look at that from a different perspective, like take a step back from those whispers, those shouts, those screams, the claws in our brain, whatever you want to picture imposter syndrome, when that's screaming at you, that is just your brain's way of saying, hey, you're really uncomfortable right now. But guess what? That is exactly where you should be. As an entrepreneur, you need to be outside your comfort zone. So brain, your brain is just letting you know that. It's like an alarm clock in the morning telling you it's time to get up. This is telling you you're right where you need to be right now. So if we can retrain our brain to actually recognize those signals for what they are and use this concept of a thinking brain, observing brain, um, so that is where you're feeling and thinking something, but actually you choose how to react to that. You choose how to interpret that. And actually, I'll give you a really good example of this. I did this, Rachel, at a uh, conference uh, here in New Zealand back in end of 2019. I was talking about um, post syndrome and fear and all this. And what I did was I looked at, we had about 500 people there, and I just said, right, I'm going to handpick five of you from the audience and I'm going to get you up on stage and you are going to speak to everybody else. And you could, you honestly could hear the collective gasp and the collective <laughs> kind of um, everyone basically puckering up with <laughs> like <laughs> getting really tense. So I called that out and I said, Hey, that was, that was tangible. Did everyone feel that? And I said, What happened there? What were you feeling? And I got people to volunteer. And some people said, Oh, they put their hand up and said, Oh, my stomach started knotting up when I heard that because I thought, Oh, that's really scary. I said, okay, what else? Someone said, oh, that their heart started racing. Someone said they got sweaty palms, they got dry throat, their head got a little bit light and dizzy. Basically, their cortisone levels were increasing. I said, great. So what does that mean when you feel all of those things together? Everyone said, that is fear, right? That's just us being afraid. I went, okay, cool, right. Now, can anyone tell me what the physiological conditions, like what those signals are for excitement? Because they are exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. They are the knotted stomach. They are the racing heart. They are the the sweaty palms, the dry throat, the, the dizziness in the head, the cortisone levels increasing. That's the exact same reaction when you're excited about something. But what's happened here is you've had all these signals from your body, and you've interpreted them based on your previous experiences. You've interpreted them by because you think, oh, well, getting on stage is scary. So therefore, what I'm feeling right now is scary. Rather than what I probably do, because I love being, I love public speaking. I love being on stage. When I hear all those things like, hey, we're going to pick you, I'm like, yes. And I feel the (laughs) exact same way as everybody else, but my brain's interpreted as excitement. So you have these two brains, thinking brain, observing brain. What you're feeling and thinking doesn't define you. You get to choose how to react to that. So when you're feeling imposter syndrome and you're feeling these voices, you get to choose, I'm going to do something different with that. I'm going to let that know, uh, let that make me know I'm right where I need to be right now
0: yeah oh my gosh i can kind of agree with all of what you said and more and um even just going back to like your story and growing up like thank you for sharing so vulnerably with us and i think so many people have had um you know different yeah. whatever we want to call them like different trauma you know trauma or traumatic experiences in our life and like you said like that creates right our thought patterns our belief patterns and it's really all just um patterns right that have been repeated over and over and over again and so the real work comes in not by like having to get over these things because I want to bring that idea up and like that um even that quote of like I just have to get over it right because Mm -hmm. I think and I hear that a lot even from my own clients and just women in this space like very aware, right, that this imposter syndrome or that these beliefs or that these thoughts and and feelings are like kind of a normal part of their existence and their journey as especially as an entrepreneur, right, literally operating constantly out of our comfort zone is kind of like what entrepreneurship is, right. And I hear it a lot of like, oh, I know I just have to get over it. And even before we had, we started this podcast and started this conversation, like I really wanted to talk about the idea. So I love that you brought it up that it's actually not a bad thing, right? (laughs) It's not like imposter syndrome, like labeling it as like this scary, terrible thing that we never want to feel. And actually, instead of getting over it, like I love the idea of not only Coming to understand it and like recognizing how we might interpret it versus someone else might interpret it, but then also instead of running from it, like actually embracing it, that idea of embracing imposter syndrome for what it is, it's almost like that that dialogue, like you said, of like, hey brain, thanks for notifying me. Thanks for trying okay. to keep me safe. I appreciate it. But I'm also gonna choose to do this anyways because yeah, yeah. I believe right I know that there's something greater on the other side of this but that takes practice too and so I love that even where you are in your life like having lots of practice right Uh working through that process and that it never goes away even for the most successful most like um you know notable human beings or entrepreneurs whatever it is even moms, like it doesn't have to even be an entrepreneurship, right? In yeah, all yeah. Of these different areas of our lives. And so I love that, like embracing it and doing it anyways. And I want to talk a little bit about the idea of, because of course, as entrepreneurs, like you probably hear it often too, especially as, as a, an accidental marketing coach, I <laughs> refer to like you accidentally became a coach because everyone yeah, really. wanted your advice, which I love, but Everyone wants to know, right? Like how, but how, but how, but how, but how, like, how do you do it? How do you embrace it? How do you, you know, work through it? And I think one of the most important things, at least for me and my journey and what I share with, with my people, and I'd love to hear your take on like really the only how that I have found to like embrace imposter syndrome and just this voice in our head is just like, start to celebrate like everything. And celebration, I feel like is so huge. And it doesn't have to be right these like massive parties, but just like these, you know, little celebrations and acknowledgments of ourselves and all of our accomplishments and achievements, big, small, whatever in between has Mm -hmm. been kind of like the driving force for me to like, because some days, you know, we wake up and we're like, yeah, I actually don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And Hey, like, that's actually probably okay. Like, where can I go today? How can that be a good thing? Right? And just like, constantly turning the narrative and celebrating. And so that is one of my biggest even like pieces of advice or takeaways is like, to celebrate everything and just create this vibration, just in your life yeah. and business and body of celebration. And that kind of calms the voice, I think, but also helps us just like redirect it in a really positive yeah. way, right? Like what's your take on that?
1: I, I love that, Rachel. This is why you and I are so aligned, I just realized. Um, so, I teach a very similar kind of concept, but it's, it's called an impact list. Uh, and this is something I encourage, particularly in the early stage. In fact, actually, not even just the early stage, just do it. Uh, everyone should create one. But basically, it is a way for you to kind of like if you look at imposter syndrome itself, or you look at any kind of self doubt and and um, you look at it it's like I said it signals it's thinking and feeling a certain way that nine point nine no 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 nine times out of ten doesn't align with the evidence that's in front of you right so for example i'll give you a good example actually, I launched my group program earlier this year, and um, despite the fact that I'm getting massive successes with coaching, seeing huge breakthroughs with people, I knew I wanted to scale that, so I wanted to I'd launch my group program. I had absolutely no reason to doubt this was going to work. Um, because I had already seen evidence of so, but still in my own head, I'm going, what if nobody signs up? Like seriously, mm-hmm. what if I go out there and not a single person says yes? I'm going to feel like a complete uh, and utter failure. Um, and it just became this kind of prevailing thought. And I was like, well, and it, and it kind of got to the point where I was thinking, do I put off the launch? And I was like, no, put the stake in the ground. Let's do this. once you teach this to people, maybe teach yourself this as well. <laughs> you know, like we're always our own worst coaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I put the stake in the ground. I said, I'm going to launch on this date. I allowed myself a week and a half worth of marketing, which is not much. Um, and I'd set a goal of getting 20 people into my um, first intake of the program. So what I call foundation members intake. And uh, I had talked to some of my peers who said, Vince, you're crazy. Four to five should be the maximum you get in the the foundation members because it's an unproven platform. So nobody's going to want to sign up for this. You're crazy. You're going to set yourself up for failure. So of course that played into my fears as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I trust these people. They're really good entrepreneurs and they're telling me you're being too ambitious. Um, So I kind of went out there and went, okay, now what would happen was my thoughts and feelings, my fears weren't aligned with the evidence that was in front of me. And if I had taken the time to actually look at the evidence in front of me, I should have been calm, cool, collected, and just launched the thing um i launched in a week and a half i filled the program i got 20 people on board it was a big nah, 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 nah to the people that doubted me no. <laughs> they <laughs> met, they met well by the way <laughs> yeah. but um but the thing for me is having an impact list that, and i'll teach you what that is in a sec but having an impact list is something that helps you to align those two things it's to say here's the evidence so thoughts and feelings you need to now align and overlay on top of those that evidence um, so what I do is I, and this is something I, somebody actually taught me in a different kind of context, but I just totally stole it for entrepreneurship. But what I did was I just started writing down a list of everybody that I impact, um, started with through my business. So through anything I was doing, through mentoring, coaching, all these kinds of things, I write down a name, their name. Uh, if I didn't have their name, I just write, you know, anonymous user one or whatever, or random stranger one, if you help somebody on the street, but yeah. I write them down. I write down the way that you're impacting them, like what their need was, what you did and what the outcome was. And when you first write this list, you'll probably come up with two or three names, but then come back to it often. And you'll be surprised how many people you start adding to that list. And I started adding all the entrepreneurs that I'd helped, all the marketers that I'd helped. I started then adding in my next door neighbor. Uh, I was pouring with rain. We had a storm here one day. I know they've got a, a bung hip. So I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to go and take their bins down to the road so that they have no chance of them slipping. Or there's the the woman that broke down on the motorway, the poor woman with three kids in the back freaking out. So we pulled up and helped her until the the rescue people came and got uh, got her out of there. Um, it's to the person they helped with the groceries. It's to, you know what I mean? Like, just start writing down all these people that you impact, writing down the impact you make. Now, what happens with this list, um, and I used to do this on Post-it notes on my wall but by the way, that's a terrible idea when you actually have people coming over to your office because <laughs> they're looking at that going, are you seriously narcissistic or something? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, <laughs> And my name's up there. What's going on? Um, so what I do is I keep it in Trello. So I keep a Trello board with everyone I've impacted. And the reason I do this is because on those days where you're hearing that voice, you're hearing that thing, you know, creep in and go, okay, you're not worthy or you don't deserve to be here or everyone's going to find out you don't know what you're doing. I go back to that list and I have a look at the results. So like you're talking about, this is celebrating the wins. It's celebrating those results. And when I do this, a number of things happen. Number one, it deeply connects me with my why. So it makes me realize why I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm genuinely wanting to impact as many people as possible. Um, the other thing it does is it starts to align my thoughts and feelings with the evidence because this list is the evidence. Those celebrations that you have, Rachel, all those those you know, mini celebrations, that is the evidence. So your thoughts and feelings now start to come into alignment with that. But the other thing that happens when you have a list like this is you start to change your perspective. And by that, I mean, if you understand how the brain, uh, how the eyes work, like when you're thinking about imposter syndrome, when those voices are, are creeping in, you are very much looking inward. It's about you. So you're going, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I should be there. Uh, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to turn up for my clients, all these kind of things. It's me, 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 me. So you're looking inward there. But when you look at this list, you're looking outward. You are looking at the people that you're impacting. And if you understand how the eyes work, you can't focus on two things at once. So -hmm. what happens is when you focus out there, you focus outward, everything that is close to you is now in your peripheral vision, which means that you're not focused on it. It has no power over you. It doesn't hold the same kind of weight that it did before. So by changing your perspective, you are diminishing the impact of things like imposter syndrome and self-doubt. So that was a huge win, like just changing your perspective there. But then there's another kind of additional benefit, which I definitely didn't count on, which is on those days where you wake up and you go, what am I doing? I should go and get a real job. I should be an adult and all those kind of things. Or I don't know what I'm doing. I can't turn up today. I don't. I don't want to do it. On those days, when you're looking at that list, something else happens. Because when you realize that you've impacted all of those people and you don't show up, That means you're denying people like that the breakthrough that they got. And you're denying them the potential for breakthrough as well. And that makes it not about you. It makes it about someone else. Yeah, that's so
0: good. I love uh, that perspective.
1: Yeah, this is why I'm such a big comic book fan. I know this is a weird transition here for a moment, but I'm a huge (laughs) comic book fan because growing up in an environment which wasn't very nice – one of the things that I realized was comic books were, were my safe space as well because I would read a comic and this was like Spider-Man's a great example. like Peter Parker, he was a teenage boy. Like I was a teenage boy at one point in my life. Um, he was a teenage boy. And he had all these struggles. He had no money. Hey, tick, i got no money. Uh, He was always trying to woo his girlfriend. Tick, every teenage boy wants to woo their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. You know, like they're trying desperately to not be alone. Um, But also he was struggling with school. He was struggling with all these different elements, like trying to juggle life and everything. And you're like, oh, I totally relate to that. But at the same time, he was also trying to save the world. At the same time, he was trying to save all these people out there. And what it does is it shifts your brain into this amazing space where you're going, he has the same problems as me, but so much more because he's trying to save the world. And you start to focus on that aspect, even though technically I'm not a superhero. Um, technically, I don't have, I was never bitten by a radioactive spider. I don't have powers, sadly. Um, but when you focus outward on what you're trying to achieve and on the why and the people that you're impacting, just like Spider-Man, those personal problems seem pretty small in comparison. You know, like not having enough money to take your girlfriend out on a date is nothing compared to, okay, somebody's trying to destroy the universe, you know, like, so totally. it's just perspective thing gives you a different, a fresh, a fresh take on it and gives you a bit more, um, I don't even know the word, a bit more power to turn up every day, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's like that quote, um, like when you're feeling helpless, go help someone. It's like take the focus off of your like pain or agony or doubt or whatever crap is like, you know, being offered by our our brains (laughs) and turn it outward and refocus it into like this forward momentum. Yeah. And then. Um, document it in some way celebrate that and make it about yeah make it about all of those little and big wins that are are other people focused right and that also build up your confidence at the same time and I think we can do both because I think a lot of people have this misconception that like, I have to like kind of like the chicken and the egg conversation, like you said, like <laughs> that you were talking about when, you know, back in school, but it's almost like I have to be confident. I have to be fully certain of myself and fully, um, what's the word, like fully qualified and whatever, have all of these yeah. accolades and then I can do the thing and then I can help people and then I can show up and then it's like what comes first. And really what I think that stops so many people from doing the thing from saving the world, quote unquote, like from yeah. doing the things that help other people because they're like, Oh, I'm not this yet, I'm not this yet, and I'll yeah. do it when I'm confident. It's like, I don't think anyone is ever really confident or like really no has it all yeah. together. We just do it anyways and learn from it and celebrate it along the way. Sure.
1: I'll, yeah. I'll give you a good example that of that, Rachel.
0: Like calm yeah. that. What's that? Uh,
1: I'll give you a good example of that. So, yeah. I had the the huge honor back in 2018 of being inducted into the Fearless 50. So this is a program to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world. Um, imposter syndrome was screaming at me at the time by the way <laughs> like honestly to get an accolade that big, you're yeah. like what the i could literally list i think the more think qualified
0: the more success yep. the more imposter syndrome you oh, have. just a side know i'm sure you can really yeah. <laughs> you
1: but, but the thing for me was i got to so i flew over there they didn't tell me what it was for they just told me they wanted to speak adobe wanted me to speak at this conference and i'm like right i'm in any chance to get in front of 7,000 people, you can guarantee I'm going to be there. <laughs> um, so I got there, and then they announced that they are launching this thing, launching this program to recognize the top marketers. And suddenly, I'm looking at my heroes in the industry and going, oh, my goodness, they're on stage with me. These are the people. But hang on. They they must have got the wrong Vince not for starters. Hello. But um, but to get to be amongst these people who I look up to and I wanted to be like, these are the people that I think have had everything sorted. Like Everything they touched to seems to turn to gold. But then I got to meet these people and we all went out for dinner and we went out for drinks and things. And the more I got talking to them, I realized even the people we look up to are as big of a hot mess as the rest of us. We're all human beings. They're all flawed. They all feel imposter syndrome, by the way. Every single one of them is worried about different aspects of their life falling apart. In fact, one of my heroes in the industry, um, I won't name them, but they, they were just really worried about the fact they thought their partner was going to leave them. And they said, I'm pretty sure. And they were really upset about it. And they said, and also, spending's gone down the control and just really worried about finances. I'm going, what? Like, none of this computed in my brain going, hang on. This person is one of my heroes. How can this be true? Like, how can I have a more solid relationship than this person and, and more financial security than them when they're this legend? So it made me realize we project a lot onto other people. When we look at those people that we think have got everything sorted, That's that's not that they've got everything sorted. It's just us interpreting that. So often we put a lot of pressure on those people. We're going, Oh, I want to be like that perfect individual, not realizing just like you, they are human beings.
0: Yeah. That's such a good perspective. I. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And not putting other people, I think, yeah, it's really the idea of like not putting other people and their success on a pedestal and just like showing up as if we're all on the same stage because we're all human and we just have like different talents that are showcased at different times, I think is such a, a beautiful thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we've covered so much ground. Um, I, I again, like, I feel like we can like, talk for hours.
1: Right? We can talk
0: like <laughs> seven more podcast yeah. episodes later, and our audience is just going to be like, yes, 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 because again, like, there's just so much that relates to so many people on so many levels here. But yep. I've just so enjoyed this conversation, and to kind of like wrap it all up, and and really just kind of put the bow on on top. We talked about really kind of like how people can start to, again, not overcome, but to understand Mm -hmm. and to embrace this idea of imposter syndrome in their own lives and businesses too. But is there any like last thing or piece of advice or even like mini takeaway that you want my audience to hear or to know before um, we kind of wrap up?
1: I think the the biggest thing to know is, like I said, that we're all we're all human. We're all flawed. We're all failed in in lots of areas. We all make mistakes and all those kind of things. But by embracing imposter syndrome, you do a couple of things. One, you can talk about it a lot more because it doesn't become a, a kind of area of shame or embarrassment for you, mm-hmm. which for a lot of people it is because they feel like if they feel like an imposter, and if other people knew they felt like an imposter, oh my goodness, they would think you're not as successful as you you want to project. But the reality is, if we can all openly talk about that, then Hello. It's just going to make people relate to you even more. But the other thing is by embracing imposter syndrome, it also does something else. Because if you constantly feel like you're the dumbest person in the room, which is my philosophy, I always Mm -hmm. want to be the dumbest person in the room. But if you're you're sitting there going, okay, I'm comfortable being the dumbest person in the room here, uh, and you're feeling this imposter syndrome, it helps you to strive to want to be better. Because you're like, I don't want to feel that way all the time. I want to know more about this and know more about this and know more about this so it helps you to learn helps you to improve and and i have this philosophy which is i just want to be 1% better every single day and mm-hmm. when you do that you honestly that that is an exponential growth curve it's not a linear growth curve at all when you're 1% better every day you very quickly find you have grown so much from where you were previously so i just say to people stop comparing yourself to others because mm-hmm. even what you're comparing yourself to doesn't exist because it's your version of their success yeah compare yourself with where you've come from Look at the successes you've had and just strive to be 1% better every day.
0: Yeah. I think we can all focus on 1%. Like that feels yeah. really doable. I yeah,
1: yeah 1%. Yeah. Look, One. To be honest, even if it's 0.5%, 0.1% of a percent, as long as it's improvement. That can you're... be a
0: big stride though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Depending <laughs> on the day, for sure. Yep. Absolutely. So you have three books coming out. Is that correct? Yep. And that in 2021 and so um tell us just a little bit about um or even just the titles of your books when they're coming oh. out and then how can we find out more about you and just come hang out with you or if my audience is wanting to just soak up all of the goodness that you have yeah. to offer how can we oh my goodness the touch? whole
1: come hang out with you just made me want to do that so much more um so the three books one of them is anti-perfect is very much talking about what we just talked about here today. It is this whole concept of rewiring your brain so that you're not striving to be something that doesn't exist. You're not striving to be something you can't be, but you're being a better version of yourself. And and you should be A-OK with that because you are awesome. Like genuinely, you are awesome. You're a human being. You're an entrepreneur. That makes you pretty special in itself. Um, The second book has actually came from a bit of a joke uh, where I'm known for so many different things in the marketing industry. Um, So there's a number of methodologies I've created that agencies around the world use and I said to my wife one day when we were in lockdown we we went for a walk and i just said i oh mean it sucks because there's all these different things i'm known for but None of them are enough to write a whole book on. And she goes, Ugh. and she was just being sarcastic and said, it's almost like you need to put them together and go, 13 underground marketing secrets. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's so lame. <laughs> Wait, actually, that's kind of cool. Damn it, now I have to admit it's her idea. <laughs> so, so I'm putting together a lot of the methodologies that I use, a lot of my philosophies, and put them together in one book. And then the oh, third gosh. book is actually a very exciting one, uh, which I've never announced anywhere else before. So you, you're, you're the first to hear it. We don't have a yeah, title yeah. for it yet. Okay. But essentially – with my podcast, um, I've been going for almost a year with my podcast, and I've interviewed uh, over 70-something people. And one of the things I get every single person to do is give me their three practical tips to help entrepreneurs move the needle for their business. And I realize I'm sitting on this gold mine of this amazing information from some of the top entrepreneurs, marketers, and salespeople in the world. So we're compiling that together into a book. To bring you all of the wisdom from all the people that i've been interviewing over the years uh, over the year <laughs> it'll be years soon but over the year um so yeah so that's that's the other book i'm putting together which i'm really excited about yeah but, but where people can connect with me is really really easy uh, rachel they can just go to chasing the insights.com that's the home of my podcast that's the home of my book uh, it's also where you will see uh, two things: you'll see where to connect with me everywhere on social media. Please do that. Um, I love that whole concept of come hang out with me. I love hanging out with people. <laughs> so yeah, I'm if we New could Hillen, just all the hang out in person the all the time,
0: that would be yeah, yeah, so exactly. much better.
1: <laughs> I just want to connect with people all over the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, joking. Um, so, and then the other thing you'll see on the website is a link there for a free strategy call, which is my way of kind of giving back to people. It's going look. Marketing can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't know how to generate or convert leads, so it can be quite stressful. Let me take some of that stress away. Jump on a free strategy call, book it with me, and I will give you the clarity you need in there. Um, and that's free of charge. So, yeah, oh, chasing the insights.com.
0: Beautiful. We'll link all of that up in the show notes for sure. Um, and I love that all the branding is so clear and that's the name of your podcast as well. And yeah. oh, my goodness. So, um, so many opportunities. Can't wait for those books to come out. And for and I love that there's a little bit of everything there, like especially <laughs> in your in your books. Um yeah. Definitely, definitely, so much goodness there to soak up. Awesome. Well, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much, Vince. And I hope that if the listeners have questions about even what you do or how you can help, or just to connect and learn more about like your experience with imposter syndrome and and really step into like their power and and kind of start embracing their own imposter syndrome, that this has at least been valuable for them and to to be able to again start improving like 0.5 1% um, a day and just keep getting better and better so um, beautiful well thank you so much Vince
1: thank you for having me Rachel and thanks everyone cheers bye
0: everyone thanks for tuning into this episode of the dream builder society podcast if you enjoyed this episode I'd love if you'd head over to iTunes or Apple podcasts and leave a review so we can continue to get this content into the hands of other incredible women just like you If you're interested in learning more about the work I do and what coaching could look like for you, head over to rachelolstead.com and book your free clarity call so we can explore how coaching can help you create your own dream life too.